So this morning you can be marking in John chapter 3 and then also Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to read from these two places and maybe some more in just a little while. But I want us to begin this morning in the scripture that you mark in Proverbs chapter 14. And I want to skip down to the 12th verse. So our scripture text this morning is going to come from the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and we'll turn to John chapter 3 in a minute. But notice what we read in the 12th verse. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This morning I want you to think about a very, very simple thought. There's two ways. I didn't say three or four or five or six. You can take a, a, anything that's round. You can keep slicing the pie. You can get the pieces smaller and smaller. and You can keep getting different angles on that. But the truth is today, throughout all of Proverbs chapter 14, it's one end or the other. So let's look at the very first verse of Proverbs 14 for just a minute. There's two ways. Every wise woman... Buildeth her house on her, buildeth her house, but the fooleth. Again, you got a wise, you got the foolish. Let's go ahead and, and look in the second verse. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that perverse in his way despiseth him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise. You got again, you can see the contrasting parts of all of this. You got two different directions that are going. You can read through all of those verses that we we've that we read in the first 12 verses, particularly that we talk about. But in these first few verses that we read about, there's always a comparison because you're doing one or the other. So this morning I'm not here to slander you, I'm not here to make any kind of assumptions. But I do want to be very plain with you this morning. Folks, you are here today and either you are headed for heaven or you are headed for hell. I don't want to try to, to give you an alternate route or to think that, that there's kind of a side angle that you can go to. In all of these comparisons that we read about in Proverbs, it's either one or the other. There's no in-between. A great fear that I have is that people are in this in-between state with God and hoping and wishing and maybe thinking, folks, I want to be very plain to you. You are either headed for heaven or you are headed to hell. What we're going to read this morning in John chapter 3 is that in order to go to hell, you don't have to do anything. Did you hear what I just said? That in order to go to hell, you do not have to do anything. John 3 and 36 says this. If you mark John chapter 3, he that believeth on the Son, something you have to do. John 3 and 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But what will he see? But the wrath of God abideth in him. John chapter 3, Proverbs talks about there's two paths in life's. Proverbs says that, uh, that there's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
Throughout the Gospel of John, if you want to go back and read throughout John chapter 3, and we're going to talk about John chapter 3 a little bit uh, more, but all of John chapter 3 talks about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Let's go ahead and divide this up again. Folks, either you have a relationship with Christ or you don't have a relationship with Christ. Remember what I said a minute ago, just a few seconds ago? You're headed for heaven or you're headed for hell. You either know Jesus or you don't know Jesus. You have a relationship or you don't have a relationship. But in order not to have a relationship, in order to go to hell, you do not have to do anything. A great fear that I have about the silence that is happening around the world today is that, that people, that if they do not change and they do not respond and they do not believe, then they are headed for the wrath of God. Here in John chapter 3, the only time that John uses the word wrath is right here in this 36th verse. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Today I believe that either we can either trust in what work that Jesus has done on the cross or we can deny it. You either believe it or you don't believe it. You either, you're, you're either have the relationship, don't have the relationship. I want you to again be very plain in noticing there's two different roads. When we talk about two ways or two paths or two ways that we really specifically talk about. It's a fact of either you do or you do not. Here it says that if you believe that on the Son hath everlasting life. Now this, this verse in John chapter 3, if you kind of mark that chapter for a minute, stay right there for a minute. For look what he says, back up a little bit earlier in the 18th verse. He that believeth not is condemned already. The verdict's in. The sentence has already happened. That, that people are already experiencing the wrath of God in their life. Folks, name me something that is miserable in life. And I will amplify that by saying, experience that without the presence of God in your life. How bad is it to be living your life right now without a relationship with Jesus? No, no, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to be brutally honest with you. The brutal truth for you this morning is you're either headed for heaven or you're headed for hell. And if you were to take your last breath today, where would you go? That's a question that many may struggle with. But you know what? When God saves our soul, we get to a place of trust and understanding and belief in the work that He has done. But, but, but notice what we're reading in John chapter 3. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. How do you get to heaven? You've got to believe. You've got to have faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. We must believe, or you must believe. I can't say we. I had to believe. But you must believe that the work that Jesus is able to do is all and completely of Him. Folks, salvation is of the Lord. If you're on that path and you're headed to heaven on that, it's not like you can go to heaven without Jesus, folks. <coughs> We're going to read in just a minute that it is, it is necessary and it is imperative. As a matter of fact, there is no other way around it. That you must have that relationship with Him. So here in John chapter 3 where it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Folks, today we believe in so many things. 
What do you believe in this morning? If you were to sit here and you were to list and to name and to, to ponder all the things that you believe in, some of them may be real. Maybe you want to believe in, in something that is not real that, that we might even call a dream. Think of all the things that you believe in. I want to go ahead and go a step further than that. Folks, the greatest being that you can believe in is what John talks about. He that believeth on the Son. Folks, today, if it were not for Jesus, we wouldn't have a gospel. Matter of fact, when you talk about what a gospel is, the gospel is about the teaching of Jesus. What would it be like if you took Jesus out of the gospel? You wouldn't have a gospel. What would it be like if you take Jesus out of salvation and you removed him? You're on another path. You're on another way. You're on another road. And we see that that ends in death. Or that ends in a place that we do not want to go. But Jesus said, if you're going to believe of all the beings and the things in life that you are going to believe in, the most important one is to believe on the Son. Do you believe on the Son? And just for clarity, I'm not saying S-U-N, I'm saying S-O-N. Do you believe in the Son of God, the Son of Man? Do you believe in Jesus? For he that believeth on the Son. I believe this morning that you'll see that it's pretty important or it's pretty obvious that we can put our faith and confidence in a lot of things. But there's only one that's going to get us to heaven and that's our belief and our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Muhammad, Buddha, and the list goes on and on of all the gods and all the, the means by people believe in that they're going to have this eternal, everlasting life. I'm careful in choosing my words because even in hell, you're, you're receiving eternity. You're receiving, you're receiving eternal. But what I'm saying is there's a difference in eternal life that we get to have with Christ. Turn over for just a minute to the book of Acts chapter 4 for just a second if I can. Acts chapter 4 for just a second. I didn't tell you to mark there. If you were to think about and ponder this morning, what's the greatest of all the sins that people commit? One might rise up and say, well, murder, preacher. If a person commits murder, there's nothing any worse than that. Maybe somebody else would rise up and say, Maybe it's adultery. Someone else would say, no, it's a thief. Folks, this morning, the, the greatest place to get in, the worst thing that you can possess and do is unbelief. Not believing in Jesus. Acts chapter 4, let me read you if I can, and in verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter is going to teach us that the greatest sin that people have in their life is unbelief. What happens if you come here this morning? What happens if you hear these very words that we are relaying to you that God has given us this morning? What if you are hearing these things and you are in the category of unbelief? What are you going to do? That's a, that's a, very, that's a very honest question. That's a very legit question. It's a very necessary question. If you are in the category of unbelief, remember there's two paths. You either believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus. That's what John 3 and 36 says. 
If you don't believe, you don't believe. You're in the unbelief category. What do we do? How do you believe in that? For there is no, there is, neither is there salvation in the other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Skipping up to the ninth verse of Acts chapter 4. I'll scoot up there for just a minute. When we read there in Acts chapter 4, in that 12th verse and also in the ninth verse, same words used. If we this day be examined of the good deed done by the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Ninth verse, made whole. Twelfth verse, he uses the word saved. What it means to be saved is you are made complete. So what we're seeing is let's go back to what we said in, in John chapter 3 and verse 36. Let's go back to what we read in Proverbs that there's two paths. Either you are whole this morning or you are incomplete. So let's just word that a little bit different. Is there something missing in your life? I will go on and say this. Folks, if you are missing Jesus in your life, there is not a substitute that you can find that's going to replace Christ in your life. We could sit here and list all kinds of things. We could list all kinds of deeds that people do, places people go, things that might be, uh, that they accumulate in their life, all the things that people have in their life because they want to replace Christ in their life. They want to get on a different road, but they don't want to have Christ. Remember when I said that, that, that in the book of Proverbs there, in the 14th chapter, how was a comparison of all of these things? Either day you either have Christ or you don't have Christ. People don't want to have Christ, but they want a full, complete life. I want to tell you something I believe in. You cannot have a full, complete life without Jesus. You can, you can put a lot of things in your life. I'm not going to mislead you saying, oh, you're not, you're not going to have happiness. What I am saying is your happiness is temporary. All the things in our life that we get, you know how it is when a kid gets a brand new toy, they love it for how long? All of a sudden that new gets worn off and it's not new anymore and it's not exciting. They want something else. Folks, you know what I love about being saved is that we don't want anything else. Once you get saved, it's not like you want a different Savior or a better Savior. Folks, I thank God that when He saved my soul, He made me satisfied with what He did with me. And I pray this morning that if you don't have something in your life that you're satisfied, you can mingle in the things of the world. You can try everything that is before you. But I'm telling you, you either know Jesus or you don't know Jesus. You've either been saved or you have been saved. You're either whole or you're incomplete. If you are missing something, you need Jesus. Because I'll tell you this, no matter how wide the gap is, I believe in this, Jesus can fill the gap in your life. And he does that. He's done that for me. And I can tell you over and over again what God has done for me. And here in the book of Acts, we see that, that there are those that realize that there is only no other name. There's only one name whereby we might be saved. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But it gets interesting, I think, if you are incomplete... And Christ gives you something, or one, can He give you something complete? Mark, and I'll read you a verse if I can, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 52, says this, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Again, we're talking about one that, that, that went from a time in their life when they could not see 
to all of a sudden being able to see that they were incomplete, had a lot of other traits and characteristics. But here in Mark chapter 10 and verse 52, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Isn't it amazing how fast you go from incomplete to complete? Isn't it amazing how fast you go from one path to another path? Isn't it amazing how that you're headed for hell and all of a sudden how fast you go to headed to heaven? Isn't it amazing the transformation that God does in the heart of a man in such an instant? Isn't that amazing? But folks, that's why he's God. God can do something we cannot ration out. God does things in our life that we don't understand. He is God. And notice that God changes us. He moves us. And when the blind man was able to see, he said, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You know, a lot of times when God tells him to go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole, sometimes we think that God's commandments are, he's trying to get us on the wrong path. Folks, God's not trying to get us on the wrong path. God's trying to get us on the right path. You don't have to do anything to get on the wrong path. You don't have to do anything. You don't, have to, you don't have to try to do good. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. You don't have to do anything to try to do right. You just simply follow after your own lust and desires. You know that one of the most disturbing phrases that I hear is, just be yourself. That's, that, that disturbs me ever so deeply to my core when we encourage people to follow after the lust of their flesh, folks. I am telling you, folks, follow after the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will lead you in a much different place than the desires of your flesh, the things that you want, the things that you love, the things that you crave. He said, I'll give you that satisfaction. You're either on one path or the other. And Jesus looked at the one and he says, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I find it interesting that blind Bartimaeus could have received his sight. I believe that Jesus could have gave him his sight and he could have said, Now just sit there. He said, I know what happened and you know what happened. But you know what? He says, Jesus told him, he said, go thy way. He said, for thy faith hath made thee whole. Immediately received his sight and he followed Jesus in the way. What I love about that scripture is, is that not only did God or Christ do a work in him to him, is that he wanted others to see what he had done for him in his life. Today, folks, if you're on the path and you've got a relationship with Jesus, are you just sitting still? Are you just sitting idle saying, well, I know what happened. I can see I've been given my sight and the Lord knows what he's done because he's the one that gave it to you. Is he telling you to arise and go, he said, thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith, notice what he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. You want to talk about a value or a premium put on salvation, folks. Folks, that's exactly what salvation will do. Salvation will make you whole. You want to know what's missing. People trying to figure out what they're missing in life. Is it people that they're missing? Is it occupations that they're missing? Is it, is it materialistic things that they're missing? Is it hobbies that they're missing? What is it that we're missing in our life? And you know what? You, you can fill all of these things in. But folks, remember, you cannot replace Jesus. You're on one of two paths this morning. You're one of two ways. You're one of two directions. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. But God said there's a different way. There's a better way. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But notice the power of God here in this Mark chapter 10, for it says immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus in 
the way. The blind man begins to follow after Jesus. Isn't it amazing this morning that when God gives you something, he wants you to use it to follow after him? You let that soak in for just a second. He could not have seen Jesus before that point. But once he got his sight, he could see Jesus and he could follow Jesus not by just his voice. He could follow him by his sight. So in other words, he took what God gave him and he used that to follow Jesus. What do you have before, excuse me, what do you have after you're saved that you don't have before you're saved? Holy Spirit of God. What do you and I need today to follow Jesus? We need the Spirit of God. Oh, I thank God for night. That my heart was just as empty. I was filled full of so many worldly things. I had friends and I had, I had many activities in my life. And I had all these things that I enjoyed. But you know what? That night I found myself on an altar just as empty as I'd ever been in my life. And my life was not made whole. But I want to tell you, when God saved my soul, His Spirit began to move into me and take up an abode. You know what God gave me? God gave me what I needed to follow after Jesus. <laughs> And you know what today? The only thing I know to do to follow after Jesus is to follow the Holy Spirit of God. When you talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all you got to do, and that sounds so simple, doesn't it? All you've got to do is take what God has given you that you didn't have before and follow after Him. And this is what happened to blind Barnabas. He said he immediately received his sight and he followed Jesus in the way. I pray today that God would help us to take what He has given us and we would use it to follow after Him. Folks, why did God give us the Holy Spirit? So we can shout? So we can preach? So we can pray? All those things might be true in evidence. But folks, He gave us the Spirit of God so that we can follow after Jesus. We have what we need. We have a discernment here. And that's exactly what blind Bartimaeus did. He said he followed Jesus. Today, folks, all the blessings that we need in our life, all that we have is that, 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 that we might be able to say, God, grant us the things that we stand in need of. What did blind Bartimaeus want more than anything else? He wanted to be made whole. I will say this, folks, if you're ever going to get saved by the grace of God, you've got to want that more than anything else. It's got to be your number one concern, your number one priority. People talk about mourning over sin and hurting over sin. And you just have to acknowledge that, folks. You've got to want it more than anything else. If you got to that place and that point in your life, you want to be saved more than anything else. Have you gotten to that point? So the question is, what are you going to do about the two ways that you're on? You're either headed for heaven or you're headed for hell. What are you going to do? You want off the path of your own? According to what we read in John 3 and 36, for it says, For he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. You don't have to do anything. Just stay right where you're at. Do exactly what you're doing. And one day you too will open your eyes in hell. And that's a very scriptural truth today. And that's exactly what happened to the rich man. That he opened his eyes in hell. Today, people don't have to do anything to go to hell. But I'll tell you what, you do have to do something in order to go to heaven. You've got to be saved. You must be born again. Remember what I talked about John chapter 3 being about a relationship with Jesus? That's what he says in the very beginning. He says, you, you must be born again. Not, not from your mother or again, not from a, an earthly birth. He said, you've got to be born again from above. 
You've got to have that heavenly birth. And you've got to realize is that, that, that God wants to grant you the things that you stand in need of. Here in our, our scripture reading in John 3 and 36, for he talks about he that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10, I believe it was. He said uh, that I come that they might have life and that they might have it how? They might have it more abundantly. For anybody in your life that you hear that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus and they say, I'm living the life, point them my direction. Because I want to tell you, there's a difference in living life and having life abundantly. There's a difference in having something that just fills you up versus something that overflows. Folks, I'm glad today to know that, that, that I serve a God that doesn't just fill us up, that our souls begin to overflow with the goodness of God. And you know what I found out? When your heart's filled with God, there's no room for hurt. When your heart's filled with God, there's no room for jealousy. Jealousy wants to creep in. I ain't got no room. I'm filled with God. Envy wants to sneak in. Guess what? I don't have no room for God. You want to start doing your things and these things and those things. I don't have those things. Room for that. All I have room for is you, Jesus. Folks, I'm telling you, you will find peace in life when all you have room for is Jesus. When you make room for Him and there's room for nothing else, but you know what people do? That old It's like an old cub that begins to dwindle down. There's room for more. Maybe you purged that old closet. Now you've got room for more junk. Sorry, I know we don't keep junk in our house, but we do. Maybe we purged it out. You know what that's done? We've created more room for something else. Folks, I pray today that we will fill our lives full of Jesus and not ever want to get rid of Him. No, 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 no portion of our life, no part of our life, no area of our life that we want to get rid of. We want our lives filled more and more and more of Jesus. It's you that I hunger after. It's you that I thirst after, Lord. And I want you to fill us up. For here in John, again, 3 and 36, He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. I've said this very plainly, and I'll just keep saying this. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. Matter of fact, you're already on that path. We don't do you believe that the misery of hell begins when you die? Or do you believe it happens before you die? John again, 3 and 18 says, He that believeth not is condemned already. The difference is, it magnifies after death. Well, you hear those old Christians walking around saying, Whoo, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I've got an earnestness payment. I've got just a little bit. And when I die, it's going to be amplified. You know what? I believe that's a true statement. I believe that when a saint of God dies, everything they experience heavenly on this earth, I believe it's going to get a whole lot better. But also believe that there are people experiencing just exactly what he says in the 13th verse. Condemnation. The sentence. He says they're already experiencing it. You know how we say, oh, it's how, how sad it is for somebody to live their life without Jesus in it. I'll tell you this, it's bad to live a life without Jesus. It's far worse to die without Jesus. Can you live without Jesus in this life? Yes. You're going to get the same amount of sleep. You're going to consume the same amount of calories. You're going to work the same job with the same income, drive the same cars, but you're not going to have the same eternal destination without Jesus. It's not going to happen. 
It cannot happen. It's not. And that's why Jesus teaches us in 3 and 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. <coughs> but the wrath of God, he says, but he that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God. Well, I got to hurry. He that believeth, I'm going to read on that last part again. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know how I said that there's two paths at your own? You know I has, you either know Jesus or you don't know Jesus. I want you to really zero in on the word abideth on him. Abideth on him. Now the word abideth is a pretty strong word. It means not to get rid of. Not to shake off. Not to lessen. It is permanently there. Just the other day I got a hold of one of those little old, I don't know, sweat bees. And that dude in just a second bit a hold to me and I was like, ooh, and that lasted probably a second. Pain, but at least I got to start the healing process because it was gone, it separated. People that have burns, they start to heal from those burns. Now it's painful, very, very painful, but in due time they start to heal from that because the element that causes that has been removed. You know what causes death? It's sin. Folks, until you get sin out of your life and you get Jesus inside of it, you're always going to feel the wrath of God. You know what I believe about this? You can hold on just a little bit longer. We can sing us a song or two or three or four or however many we sing. We may stay here all day. But in due time, you can go home. But I'm telling you what's going to happen to you when you leave here. The wrath of God's going to go with you too. You can't hide from God. I've told you how that, that, that I used to think when I was growing up that if I could ever just get to the, the time they would sing a song, I'd leave. And you know what? God convicted me when I was driving down the road. And you know what? God was there. For the wrath of God abideth on him. Folks, hell is not a temporary place. I'm going to say that one more time. Hell is not a temporary place, but very well there are people here and people in our lives that are on their way to hell that are not going there temporarily. You know, sometimes I'll tell people, they've missed the turn. Just give them a minute. Just let them go. They'll figure it out. They can change their destination. May we see the urgency of the hour, folks. If people are going to hell, it's not like they can go to hell and change their mind and change for something else. It's not temporary, folks. Hell is a permanent place. You're on one of two paths today. And both of those are going to end in a permanent place. It's a place that we dream about. A place that the Bible says places the streets of pure gold. We're with love and all these things. We're in the presence of Christ. The other, it says, is going to end in the very pits of hell where there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. There's outer darkness. There's misery. There's pain. There's loneliness. All the, the attributes of life that we try to get rid of that bog us down, all of those things exist in hell, but none of those things exist in heaven. 
I thank God that we're not going to be lonely. We're not going to be hurting in heaven. We're not going to experience these things. We're going to experience the very love of God and be in His presence. And I'm telling you, I thank God for a day that I made my way into a church much like this. I was in an altar just a little bit to my left and I began to seek after Him and I wanted Him more than anything else. And you know what He did? He imputed His Spirit inside of me. I changed from one direction to the other. And folks, now I'm headed for heaven. Where are you going today? For he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But he said the breath of God is going to abide on him. Today, do you need God to help you with your unbelief? Oh, there's a whole other lesson in there. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I don't have it. I'm not worried about my son anymore. I'm not worried about myself. And he said, Lord, help thou my unbelief belief. Today Proverbs 14 and 12 says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. In other words it's just natural. It's just natural to sin against God and reject God and just cruise right on through the sin of the world. That's the natural thing to do. But I must warn you about the end of that. The end of that of in thereof are the ways of death. Compare throughout all of Proverbs chapter 14, one extreme or the other, one extreme or the other, wise and the foolish and all these things. It's not like they're, they're close. It's one extreme or the other. Folks, you want to talk about extreme difference? There's an extreme difference in heaven and hell. And I'm going to say this, on this earth, there's an extreme difference to being saved and lost. But yet we as God's people, we should not look at this world like a lost person would. We shouldn't look at this world like this is our everything. This is our destination. This is as good as it's going to get. For those of us that are saved, we that believe, we have to believe that there's a better day coming. This morning, I pray that if God's speaking to your heart and He's drawing you to that place that you might believe in Him, that you would do that. I want us to get a song this morning if we could.